Welcome to Coffee and Real Talk for Writers, where we get real about the writing life. Writing might be a solitary activity, but becoming a successful author is anything but. So grab a cuppa, pull up a chair, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of Coffee and Real Talk for Writers with Talina Winters, which I'm recording on Thursday, January 20th, 2022. Now today I've got intermittent internet, which means I hardly ever have it, and I'm also not feeling so great, so I am going to try to keep this short. I did an experiment. I actually took some pretty detailed notes ahead of time, so hopefully I don't ramble so much. We shall see! Haha! <laughs> Um, and also we shall see, and hopefully I don't have to upload this over my phone's data later because that would suck. Okay, so after last week's high, um, remember I was like feeling so great about my week. Things went kind of wonky starting Friday morning, which is fine. I think it was probably like I was just, I was not, I was, I was a little off that morning, but, um, I've also been asking myself if, if like I have this weird way of self-sabotaging by you know, knowing what I should do sometimes and then doing something else. And I think it's not self-sabotage. I think it's more like when that happens, it's probably my brain trying to tell me something, but I don't always pick up right away what that is. Anyways, um, I think right on Friday, it might've been that my brain knew that there were other things that were probably a little higher priority. And so it kind of forced me to do them. And that was like accounting. Uh, I can only put that off for so long. <laughs> Anyways, so, oops, um, I did have less writing than I'd like uh, in the last week, but I still wrote um, almost 4,000 words so far this week, and I'm going to try to make that seven by the end of tomorrow. We shall see. Um, and because I've been getting out less words per week than I planned for when I made my schedule, I think I'm going to have to revamp my publishing schedule a little bit, which is fine. I do have the space. Um, with my original publishing schedule, I'd actually planned to have this book publishable, publishable by June, and I was just going to sit on it for a few months um, because I wanted to release it a little closer to the release date of the next book. And also, since it's a fall story, I wanted to wait until about August to release it at the earliest. Um, and if I end up having to release it in September, which is what the current pre-order date is set to, I will. But I would like to have it out a little earlier than that if I could, partly because I'd like to be able to sell it direct from my website exclusively for a while before it goes live in stores, um, which was an idea I got from a fantastic uh, interview with Katie Cross last Friday, on, uh, sorry, last Thursday on the Six Figure Authors podcast. And I will put the link to that in the uh, show notes, because that interview blew my mind. And I'm going to be talking about more about that in a minute. Anyway, so, um, so I am going to have to revamp that schedule, but I'm not, I haven't done it yet and I'm not quite sure what it'll be. But part of the reason I'm waiting is because I've actually been pushing extra hard on an editing project this week and kind of borrowing time blocks that I would normally use for writing so I could finish the editing. And then with the plan that I would finish that early and then next week I would be able to spend some of my editing time blocks on writing. And so I don't really want to finish, revamp my schedule until the end of next week to see if I was actually able to make that work and do some catch up next week. Um, so yeah, because one of the things about how I like to work is I really prefer to focus on whatever I'm doing and not change. But I have a conflicting part of me that 
also gets really, really anxious if I'm not making consistent progress towards my goals. And because I have different um, kind of areas of business, or really I have several businesses that I just do all of, uh, you know, my, my strategy so far has been prioritizing. I don't do everything in a single day. That would be insane because there's too much. Um, but I do have my weeks kind of set up so that I do make steady progress throughout the week on all the things that I need to do. Like even on days that are really heavily focused on writing and editing, I'm still doing at least both of those things. Plus I do still have a little bit of time set aside for admin. I did try taking that out for a while and saying, I don't need to do admin if I'm doing all day, uh, admin all day Monday and then half a day Friday. But I found out there were, I, there were always things that I just had to be done in the middle of the week and they still took some time. So I still have like half an hour of admin scheduled, uh, as a minimum each day. And some days I don't need it all, which is nice, but, uh, most of the time I do anyways. So I'd love to be able to just do like six or eight hour writing days. And then I'm like totally exhausted afterwards. But, um, then I'm, I really feel like, cause what, what happens right now is I have my morning set aside for writing and usually I'm just, um, it takes me a little while to get into it and then to get the ideas flowing. And then, uh, the last few days, like when I've been borrowing some of that morning writing time for editing, right around the time I was really starting to get into it, then I had to shut it down and go edit. And I actually did that today but I did not do that yesterday. I was just like, no, I'm just going to keep writing. So now then I had to play catch up on the editing a little bit later, which is fine. It's not really catch up because I was already kind of rearranging my schedule. But anyways, I don't know. So as I was writing these notes today, I was thinking, you know, maybe what I should do, because I've, I've never had a regular habit of kind of looking back at my weekly progress before I started this podcast. I would look back mostly at my daily progress. And I'm not somebody who sits there and and really celebrates my achievements very much. I started blog, uh, not blogging. I started journaling about a year and a half, two years ago to try and kind of keep track of what I'd actually accomplished because, because of that, I'm a person who would rather just like be moving on and, and always figuring out what the next thing is that I need to get done instead of sitting there and going, Oh wow, look at what I did. Um, I mean, I do that for, I don't know, 10 seconds. And I'm like, okay, next thing. Uh, So anyways, point being, now that I am doing this kind of weekly summary roundup of my progress, it made me think, well, I wonder if I did revamp my weekly schedule. So I had some days that essentially were like, this is a writing day and then this is an editing day. And um, then I wouldn't have to be switching back and forth during the day. Uh, if that might actually be more productive for me, because when I'm writing, then I can just get into that flow and keep going until I really feel like I've like really got out the ideas that I had for that day. And then I can go take a break the next day while I'm editing or something and, um, kind of refill that brain cavity (laughs) of ideas and then be ready to go the next time. So I don't know. I, I may experiment with that next week. Uh, We'll see how things go with the editing schedule. As I said, I'm kind of hoping to be finished with the editing project early in the week and then I'll have just a whole bunch of writing time, but we'll see how it goes. I've said that an awful lot already today. All right, moving on. Uh, Anyways, when I have been writing, 
uh, it has been going smoothly. As a reminder, I'm working on a sweet small town romance called Every Star That Shines. And I have just, uh, it's set in an analog of my own hometown. And I've just had a lot of fun redesigning parts of my hometown to work on my, that to make them work in my story, because I don't want to use like the exact businesses that I have in my hometown. Um, there's different owners in the story, of course, because I'm not using real people at all. They are 100% fictional. Um, so, you know, I like this week, I got to like redesign my local coffee shop uh, to go with the person, the personality of the person who's who runs it in my story. And I'm like, that was just so fun. Um, and it's also fun to paint pictures with words of like the iconic local scenery that is going to make it into the story and also just like things that are just really unique to the north here. So yeah, this story has just been lots and lots of fun to write. Um, so back to how things went sideways. Uh, they did go sideways productively. It was just not productive in writing. On Friday morning, my my brain was pretty mushy, so I opted to do some accounting for the day instead of write in the morning. And I usually only do a little bit of accounting in the afternoons on Fridays, but I'm trying to catch up so I can submit my taxes on time this year, which would be great. My husband would like that too. And then at lunch, I listened to that awesome interview with Katie Cross, and my brain just exploded with new ideas. And... um. Because I was already just, I don't know. It was one of those days where I dropped the eggs, so I threw the whole carton on the floor. And instead of going back to accounting after lunch, I I went and I started brainstorming how to e make my website even better for selling books direct. I, I already sell, sell books direct on my website, and I also sell knitting patterns direct on my website. And um, I'd actually been spending some time already this month revamping both of those areas of my websites to make them easier to use for customers, um, to make it more likely that customers would want to buy direct from me. And that interview just like, I don't know, it just, it's just put that into overdrive. Um, so I sat down and I like jotted down the pain points, why I was, the things that I, I saw as, as difficulties with how my setup was. And I realized that some of those I could address with my current plan on Squarespace. Um, but some of them are just limitations of Squarespace's platform. Right now I'm on the legacy plan because I've been with them since 2014. And, um, I have considered several times recently upgrading to their commerce plan, uh, but the thing is that the things that they offer on commerce, there's very few things I would get that I don't already have that um, would make it worthwhile. Like, like it's not that much of an upgrade for what my needs are. And there are a couple things I'm like, well, that would be nice to have. But when it comes down to the actual pain points that I had, like one of the big ones was um, Squarespace has no uh, native way to collect reviews from customers. And they recently introduced an option where you could like import all your reviews from Etsy, which is great if you have Etsy reviews, which I do on my knitting patterns, I could actually do that. But the problem is that they don't like import your Etsy reviews just for the, and just put, list the ones for the product underneath. They actually import them all 
and then they list them all under each product. And that's not what I want. I think that's partly a problem with Etsy because I haven't, I didn't go double check this first, but I, I'm pretty sure that on Etsy, that's how they list reviews is like you just go to your product page and it just shows all the reviews for you've ever gotten under every product. I don't remember anyway, but the problem is that I can't just use Squarespace's platform to collect reviews. And even if I upgraded commerce from as far as I could see, there was no way that the, like that wouldn't be addressed. Um, so I did go looking for some third party plugins, but whoo, those are pricey and that would only address one pain point. It'd be like another subscription, which I didn't like. Um, everyone that I found was a subscription, not just something I could add and be done with it. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, it was expensive. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of chewing on this. Um, this is, you know, as I said, I have been with Squarespace since 2014 and they have like grown a lot and they're constantly improving the platform. And I've, I've really loved having my website on their platform. It's, it's a wonderful platform to use. However, this is the first time where I feel like my business desires and needs are growing faster than, than they are. And so, <clears throat> and so I'm trying to decide what to do about it, especially because there are some other issues I would also like to deal with at some point. And if I have to go through third-party plugins for everything, man, that's going to add up fast. Anyway, I did go ahead though. And since I was all excited, I made the changes that I could, or at least I started on them. I haven't done them all, but I have the plan. So I'm not worried. I'm going to forget what I wanted to do. Um, but I did make some changes last weekend to make it easier for people to decide to purchase directly through my website. So as part of that whole revamp, one of the things that I did is I have an Excel spreadsheet where I have um, to track my intellectual property. And I actually just kind of overhauled that in December and finally got like a page template set up where I could put um, all the information I needed for each piece of intellectual property on a single page. And it's beautiful. Um, but I haven't actually got one page set up for all of my books yet. And I have a ton of other intellectual property that I should eventually do something like this for, um, like in songs and knitting patterns and stuff like that. But fortunately, those ones aren't as difficult to track and I don't need to access that information nearly as often. Anyway, point being, uh, part of this intellectual property tracking spreadsheet that I have is I made some really complicated formulas to help me figure out my pricing for my books. Because um, this is, for me personally, maybe one of the biggest pain points of being an indie publisher is figuring out how to price things. Um, so, and I think part of the reason for that is because I'm Canadian. <laughs> and I'm going to explain why. Uh, because the, the cheapest um, print-on-demand publisher... Well, honestly, it's probably KDP, but I don't use KDP. I did try them once for one of my books, and I, I, and I, I confess this was only one time. Lots of authors use them, and they don't mind them. Okay, but the um, the proof copy I got, I was so unimpressed with the the quality of it that I just haven't tried again. And then the other thing that I wasn't impressed with is that they smacked this huge barcode on the back over my existing barcode that actually covered up some of the words on my cover. 
And I was just like, I'm not going to pay to have a different cover designed just for KDP. So ever since then, I've only ever used Ingram Spark. Now I have tried pricing out other options. Um, when I published the Undine's tier, I called around to some Canadian printers thinking, well, if I did a small print run, because I was doing a lot of book signings and hand selling at the time, and I thought I could probably sell 250 to 300 copies, you know, by hand. Um, so let's see if I can get it for cheaper than I can order it in from the States, especially because the Canadian dollar to the American dollar was just, it was brutal at the time. I think it was like 1.38, like $1.38 Canadian to to one US dollar or something. It was horrible. And so um, I, I did call around and I got some quotes, but really uh, the, the bottom line was that the the cheapest Canadian printer I could find, I think was Friesen in Manitoba. And it did not become cost effective to uh, get them to print my books unless I was getting at least a thousand books printed. And I was like, there's no way. I had a small house. I don't really have great storage space. I'm like, I, I just can't. and I'm not going to be able to sell that many books. That's insane. So I was like, fine, we'll just go back to Ingram Spark. Um, but the challenge is shipping. Shipping is crazy. So if, if when you're pricing uh, for print on demand, you have to be able to cover the cost of shipping a single book. Well, here is where the challenge comes in. Canadian Postal Service. Oh my goodness, does it ever cost a lot of money to ship things within Canada just by the Canadian Postal Service, Canada Post. Um, and as an illustration, I have um, like one of my books that I was figuring out, I was looking up all the information and I go into Ingram Spark. They have some really nice um, calculators that you can use to help figure these things out. So I was looking these things up and entering them into my spreadsheet. And then I went and I took that price, but then I also went and I looked to the Canada Post website and I looked up to see how much it would cost to ship that book from me to someone. Because one of the things I offer on my website is shipping out signed copies. And also, you know, like trying to figure out, um, is it cheaper to ship directly from Ingram Spark to a customer or is it cheaper to ship from me? But if I'm signing, sending a signed copy, there's only one way to do it and that's directly from me. And for, my, for one of my books, which is one of my smaller ones, I could ship that book from my house in Canada using Canada Post. I could ship it to the States. I could ship it to France or the UK, all for around $10. I could ship it to my neighboring province of British Columbia for $20 as the cheapest option. And if I wanted to send it across the country to Nova Scotia, it was going to be 25. So literally it was twice as much at a minimum to ship anywhere within Canada as it was for me to ship it outside of Canada. Now I'm also trying to set up my website so that I can dro drop ship. Like I could, like if somebody wanted, they could just buy a book through me and I could then place an order with Ingram Spark and they would ship it directly to my customer. Um, because I wouldn't get a lot of those, not for years. And so, you know, that wouldn't be a big hassle. I used to run an internet retail business and that was my, that was my business. Every morning I'd, I'd get my orders and I'd send them off to my drop shipper. And so I'm very used to doing that. Um, 
But yeah, it's still, it was just, it's really hard to figure out that pricing. And because I'm not able to really def differentiate on my website between if this is something that's coming from me or if it's coming from the printer, like it just, uh, the pricing was a nightmare. Anyways, moving on, I've talked about pricing too long, but it is definitely one of the issues. And um, if somebody has a really creative way to solve that problem, I would love to hear it. Uh, besides switching to Shopify or something, I don't know. I don't wanna switch website platforms right now. My website is huge. That would be a nightmare. Maybe I'll just start bugging Squarespace for all the things I want. I'll just send them an email every week until they do it. <laughs> anyway, um, so while I was tweaking prices, I also actually put the prices on several of my eBooks up this week. And I only just did that Tuesday, so I don't really know yet if it's affected anything. But um, my one steady seller, Finding Heaven, is still selling steady, considering it's the middle of the week. It's, it's doing about what it normally does. So I'm hoping that means that in the end, I won't see any less volume. I'll just see slightly higher profit margin uh, going forward. We'll see how that goes, but I'll have more information on that next week. Okay, so in news, um, last night, I was fortunate to be able to sit in on a roundtable round meetup for the patrons of Mark Leslie Lefebvre's Stark Reflections podcast. Um, I had a really great discussion with some other authors. It was a lot of fun, and he is going to put that up on his podcast eventually. So when that happens, I will put that up. We talked about, um, uh, one of the other authors had a really great question for a course she was teaching about things that we should tell people about the process of publishing. So, um, so we were all indie authors there, I think. So we talked about it all from the indie author perspective, but yeah, so we, we had this great conversation about all the different things that we kind of wish we had known when we'd started out, I guess. And so, yeah, I think that'd be really helpful for people who, um, are, are more, are earlier on in their career. Also this week, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before here, but I've actually been in touch with one of my old college classmates because I went to college for music. And um, this is somebody I've kind of been in touch with ever since, but um, he is an amazing uh, composer who um, he's actually doing film scores and stuff like that. But uh, his name is Josh Rickard, and um, I heard from him this week that he was ready to start working on the music for this podcast. So I am going to be getting a theme song for the podcast. Um, super excited about that. And uh, the project he was just he just finished up was actually the score for a fan made Spider Man film called Miles Behind, which is so good. He sent me the link, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's like this 20 minute fan fiction about Miles Morales, but it really addresses some important issues um, as well. And the music was fantastic. So, <laughs> But actually the whole production was really fantastic. So I do recommend if you have 20 minutes, go check that out. And then a couple of weeks ago, you might remember I was talking about the experiment I was doing with AI narration on my short novella or the no novelette All I Want for Christmas. And I'd hired or I'd yeah, basically I'd hired, I guess, Deep Zen um, to create an AI, AI narrated, ah, that is hard to say, AI narrated audiobook um, using the licensed voice of Edward Herman. And I was talking about some of the challenges that it was having 
uh, the technology seemed to be having with especially dialogue. I found it to be having a difficult time. It also could not pronounce the word toque, which is the way we say um, the word T-O-Q-U-E in this part of the world, um, which is the Canadian way to say like knitted head covering for winter. So they're called beanies or or caps or things in other parts of the world. But I couldn't figure out why it kept saying, calling it toque. It's a toque. It's a toque. And I'm like, what? No. So I went and I looked it up. So I was trying to find a way to to get it them to understand how it was supposed to be said. And I found out that, I mean, every official pronunciation I found online, that's how they said that word. I'm like, I have never heard it said that way in my life. <laughs> so I said, well, this story was written for, you know, written using local, you know, it was, it was set locally. So I said, please pronounce it this way. Um, but I, I just had to laugh at that. It's fun being a writer and learning about all the things that you didn't know about how unique your part of the world is and the way you talk and the words you use. Uh, but anyway, there were some sounds that the technology just really wasn't able to, uh, say properly, specifically things like, mm hmm. If you had listened to that entire sample I put up, which was the first chapter of the story, uh, one of the characters says, mm-hmm, and they pronounce it, um-hum. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not good. Um, and so I pointed it out, and they're like, sorry, we can't do anything about that. That's one of the things that technology can't handle. I'm like, oh, great. Now, that was the only mm-hmm in the story, but I did have the word uh-huh in there, like, I don't know, five, six times, because one of the characters uses it quite a bit. and it just, it could not pronounce that. It was like, uh-huh, and it was like all digitally like distorted and stuff. And I was just like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't put this out like this. It would, it just doesn't work. I would not want, I would not feel good about people having to even just hear that coming through their headphones. So um, what I ended up doing is because I'm like, well, I'm working with this, with this technology as best as I can. I actually just asked them to replace all of those words, mm-hmm and uh-huh, uh, with the word yep, because it's a pronounceable word that the technology could read and say out loud. So it's not ideal because the audiobook narration is not going to match up exactly with the um, ebook, because I'm not changing those words in the ebook. Um, but it's better than not doing that, for instance, and having those horrible renditions of those words in there. Um, and yeah, like overall, I kind of have mixed feelings about the results of this experiment. Like in some ways, the results listening to this were actually way better than I expected them to be from an AI generated voice. Um, like there's definitely long sections in there where like, you wouldn't know it was AI narration. And, um, I think that's, that's pretty impressive actually, but in other ways, especially in reference to how it intonated certain parts of the dialogue that weren't a hundred percent appropriate for the mood or, or even the way the sentence was supposed to be spoken. Like I did ask them to correct some of those and they did that with mixed results. Um, but there were some that I was just like, well, that's, I guess it's not terrible. And I have worked with an actual narrator. And, you know, I know that even human narrators are going to interpret your words differently sometimes than you would have pronounced, have wanted it 
pronounced or said, but that doesn't make them wrong per se. So I was kind of listening to this with that same idea in mind that it's like, well, it's not how I heard it in my head, but is it wrong for what's supposed to be happening here? And so I only actually asked them to fix things where I felt like, no, this is totally off for what is supposed to be the mood here or like they sounded like a question, but it wasn't, or this didn't sound like a question, but it was that kind of thing. So in the end, yeah, uh, the results are not unpleasant. Like you, I would listen to the whole thing and I, I have listened to it several times now, but I, I'd listen to the whole thing as a, as just a consumer. And I wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be hard to do. I have certainly listened to entire fiction books using text, like Google's text to speech and that's kind of painful, but you know, you do get used to it. So, I mean, if I can do that, this is like a dream compared to that. And I will still be offering this version of the book for sale on my website, clearly marked as digitally narrated. But that being said, I'm not going to rush out and get any of my other books digitally narrated anytime soon. I think the technology needs to develop more. Um, however, I think, you know, if I if and when I ever get the nonfiction books plan, uh, written that I plan to write, um, I think that digital narration might be a really good option for those because I think it would handle those kinds of things really, really well. Unless there's some really weird words in there, I guess, like toque. <laughs> Don't say toque in nonfiction too often but <laughs> about writing, but you know, I just said it several times in this episode, so you never know. Okay, just a really cool... Um, Opportunity, um, craft and writing story bundle. I want to mention, uh, Melissa Snark and Mark Leslie Lefebvre have curated a story bundle for writers called Write for the Win. And if you don't know what story bundle is, it's a platform that basically allows people to curate collections of books and then sell them. But it's a reader decides what you pay kind of thing. And there is a minimum, like you can get four books for $5 US um, if that's all you want to pay. Or you can get all 10 books for minimum $20 US, but you can also give more. Like if you think about $2 per book for this amazing collection of craft books, um, that's pretty small. And so the idea of the platform is that you're, uh, that the reader gets to decide, okay, I feel like they're worth actually this much. So you can pay more than that minimum. And then you can also decide how much of that goes to Story Bundle, how much goes to the writers, and you can even have the option to donate to a charity of the curator's choice um, after that. And the charity for this particular bundle is, um, I think it's a girl, a Girls Write, Girls Can Write or something. I, I Sorry, I forget about that. But anyways, this one is available for the next two weeks. And um, I snatched this one up. I actually own already, I've owned and read two or three of these books on the list, but some of them have been on my wish list for a long time. There was a couple I hadn't heard of, but they sound really, really interesting. And so I'm really excited to jump into these. And here's what's in there. There's Author Smarter Bootcamp by Michelle Fox, Playwriting, The Merciless Craft by Carol Wolf. Superstructure by James Scott Bell, and I highly recommend that book and also any of James Scott Bell's craft books. Um, really fantastic. Uh, Taking the Short Tack by Maddie Delrymple and Mark Leslie Lefebvre, which is about using your short fiction to generate income. 
Wide for the Win by Mark Leslie Lefebvre. This is another one I've read and do recommend. It's got a lot of really great information just packed into that about uh, stuff, stuff you need to be to kind of give you a good foundation for, for being a wide author. It's All Just a Draft by Tobias S. Buckel. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Prosperity for Writers by Honoré Corder. Dear Writer, Are You in Burnout by Becca Syme. And I'm really looking forward to reading this one. It's one of the few of hers that I haven't already read. And it's ironic because Becca herself is just coming out of burnout. And I, just before bed last night, sorry, this is a, a little side note, but just before bed last night, watched a video she would put up yesterday about uh, burnout. She's starting a new series about burnout on her QuickCast on YouTube, which is free to anyone to go watch. Um, but yeah, it was really, really interesting. And so I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. But she already has an amazing series from a couple years ago about burnout, which I found really, really helpful last year when I was working through burnout. Anyways, back to the list. There's also The Three-Story Method by Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon, and I'm really looking forward to reading this one. It's a structure book. Um, I've, I, I have listened to their podcast for some time, and I am curious to see what this structure method is. Um, it seems a little different than anything else I've heard of. Uh, the Heroine's Journey by Gail Carriger. I'm really looking forward to that one too. And then um, there's a coupon code for your pick of one of three Empowering Your Writing writing courses with Margie Lawson. And from what I could see on the thumbnails, it, I mean, I'm sorry, I just I just bought it because I don't have internet. So I was, I was looking at everything on my phone. And to be honest, the Story Bundle website wasn't really great. Uh, on mobile. So I was kind of like scrolling around. But from what I could see, it looked like these are our courses, like little, they're courses that help you put more emotion in your writing, um, use better body language, that kind of thing for showing, not telling that, that kind of thing. Anyways, so if you want to check this out, it's at storybundle.com uh, slash write for the win, I think, but, um, or you can just go to the, the, the link I'm going to put in the show notes is, is actually about the thing on the blog. It is storybundle.com slash blog slash write for the win bundle. So yeah, check it out. And if you do, I'd love to hear what books, um, you found most helpful from there. Please send me a tweet or an email. Let me know. And, um, mug quote of the week. And I'm going to be honest. I just don't have that many quotes personally on mugs. I love them, but I, I realized pretty quick that I'm going to be running out of real life mug quotes for myself. So I'm going to be making, making them up for the most part. But this week's that I made up that I think would be great on a mug is life happens right anyway. And uh, that's basically just speaking to the fact that even though things went off track in my week and even today I'm not feeling great and I was just I kind of had to like pet myself up it's like I can't sound like I want to go to sleep when I'm recording a podcast so get with it Talina anyways um you know basically professionals show up if you want to be a professional writer um you just need to keep showing up and so will I so with that we shall talk to you next week Coffee and Real Talk for Writers has been produced by Talina Winters. You can find episode show notes, leave a comment, subscribe, or if you're feeling generous, buy me a coffee at talinawinters.com slash podcast. And be sure to leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Tell your friends to come by too. The kettle's always on.
So until next time, I hope you keep writing and keep it real. Thanks for listening. Bye.